Parshas Tesavah. When the Kohanim were inducted into the service of the Beis HaMikdash for the first time, we read of a ceremony that seems quite cryptic. Before the Kohanim would be permitted to approach the Mizbeach to bring Korbanos, an Ayel Hamiluim, a ram of consecration, was sacrificed. And it was this inauguration service performed with the blood of the ram that empowered the Kohanim to commence their Avoidas Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. And what was the first act that was done with this blood? And you shall slaughter the ram, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. And you shall take of its blood and put it on the tnuch ozen, the cartilage of Aharon's right ear and on the right ears of his sons. It was the ear of the Kohanim that was dedicated to the service of Hashem before anything else. Before the blood would be placed on their hands and on their feet to symbolize that the hands and feet of the Oiv de Hashem should be dedicated entirely to his service, it had to be placed on their ears, on the ears of the Kohanim. And that's something that requires an explanation. Why is the ear, the preface, the introduction to Korbanos? Everybody remembers the story from Shmuel Aleph. It's in this week's Haftarah too. When Shaul HaMelech was sent on a mission by Shmuel HaNavi to wipe, up, to wipe out Amalek, he was commanded to destroy them completely. There should be nothing at all left of them. And when Shaul HaMelech and his soldiers returned from the mission, he greeted the Navi and said, I have fulfilled the word of Hashem. But the Navi wasn't satisfied with that. What's this sound of cattle that I hear? So Shoal said, the people spared some of the cattle so that we could bring them as offerings to Hashem. Why should we slaughter them on the battlefield in vain? Instead, we'll bring them as korbanos to Hashem in gratitude for what he's done for us. Now at that time, the Navi Shmuel made a declaration to, to Shaul HaMelech. He said some very important words that will help us understand why it was the Ozen, the ear that was dedicated to Hashem's service first, before everything else. Hine, behold, I want you to learn something important now. Shmoa, to listen, to obey, Mizevach Tov, is better than bringing offerings. Lahakshiv, to hearken to what you are told, Mechelev Elim, is more important than the fat offerings of oxen, Shmuel. Korbanas are wonderful. They're very important. But the Navi is telling us here that to use your ears for listening, not just for listening, but to be obedient, that's even more valuable. Now, if we're going to understand this Pasuk properly, we have to first make sure to not lose sight of the importance of korbanos. It could be that today we have lost perspective of what a sacrifice means. But for the Jew of antiquity, bringing a korban to Hashem was an impressive experience. Because when he wished to express to HaKadosh Baruch Hu his endless love and gratitude, he knew that ma'ashiv la Hashem, how could I ever repay you Hashem? Kol tagmulohi alai, for all of the kindnesses that you've bestowed on, upon me. There's nothing I could give to you, Hashem. Like the, like the Navi Micha said, Bama Akadem Hashem. With what should I come towards you? Ikaf lelokei marom. With what can I show my submissiveness to my God who is on high? Should I give my firstborn for my sin? Pri bitni chatat nachi. The fruit of my body to atone for my iniquities? 
That's what the Navi said. You hear such a Havamina? Now, we would never do such a thing because Hashem doesn't permit it. But we have to realize that to offer up ourselves or our children would be the highest expression of devotion. Why not? What is a son? A son is a gift from Hashem. So how do you show your appreciation for such a wonderful gift? You had him for so many years. So now you take him and you bring him to Hashem as an offering. Let's say I lend you my car and you're riding around in my car, enjoying yourself for a couple of days. And then I say, my friend, can you please give me back my car tomorrow? So you'll say, what do you mean? Give back the car? I'm enjoying it to no end. I don't want to give it back. Of course, we know that Hashem doesn't want any of us to be sacrificed. But in logic, it certainly has a place. Of course it does. Only that Hashem's logic is higher than our, log- than our logic. And therefore, it's only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Al tishloch yadcha el hanar. Don't stretch out your hand. Don't sacrifice your son. So we don't do it. And so the Navi said, what should we do? We can't do that because you won't allow it. So in lieu of offering up oneself or one son, the Jew sacrificed the living animal as a demonstration of his devotion. And when the lamb or the bullock was being slaughtered, the Jew of antiquity imagined as if he himself was being offered up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was the purpose of the korban. It was intended to be a vicarious experience through which the one bringing the korban felt as if his own substance was being put upon the fire, burned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why the korban achieved great things. The thinking man who brought an offering was no longer the same person. He had just undergone an experience that brought him closer to Hashem. Now, I understand that the modern world has been propagandized and bamboozled by the Gentile writers who have belittled offerings. The truth is that they have done it for their own benefits, for the greater glory of the substitute religion. So they say that Judaism was a bloody religion, a religion of slaughtering and sacrifice. And it was only when Oso Ha'ish, that man, came along and began preaching a religion of love, that's when the world became better. He introduced a new religion of love that disdains the offerings. A new religion where instead of slaughtering cattle, from now on, you slaughter Jews. That's what they've been doing for the last 2,000 years after all. They've slaughtered Jews like cattle. But Korbanas? Oh no, never. But we, the Am Yisrael, know that bringing Korbanas is of utmost importance. And that's why we hope that someday soon, Hashem will bring back the service to His sanctuary. And we will once again bring to Him the burnt offerings. Not just Mashiach we want. We look forward to the great day when once again we'll bring sacrifices. Don't make any mistake and think that we made improvements, that we're advancing from sacrifices to prayers. It's not advancing, it's retreating. And therefore, we look forward to the rebuilding of the Beis Hamikdash and to that great day when we will once again inaugurate the Kohanim for the Avoid the Sakurbonus, exactly like was done in our Parsha. And yet, as important as this ceremony was for the Am Yisrael, the ceremony when the Kohanim became the Kohane Yashem, who would spend their days serving Hashem in the Beis Amikdash, 
bringing korbanas on behalf of the Am Yisrael. It was exactly at this moment that they had to be taught that before anything, even before the korbanas, the avoida of the oizen, the ear comes first. Shmoa to obey, mizevach tov, is better than bringing offerings. Lahakshiv mechel of elim, to listen obediently is more important than the fat than the fat offerings of oxen. Because as tremendous as a korban is, as great of an effect it has on a person, we must know that listening is number one. And that's why the first thing the Kohen did, even before he would be permitted to serve in the Mikdash, he had to dedicate his ears to be obedient in the service of Hashem. In the second shah of Shahre Tshuva, Simon 12, Rabbeinu Yonah explains explains there that the ears, the ability to hear, is one of the greatest gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to us. You know, we're accustomed to thinking, we're accustomed to thinking that this is how it's supposed to be. We were born with ears and will one day die with ears. They're always functioning and therefore we don't think about it at all. Many people might go their whole lives without thanking Hashem once for their ears. But actually the ears are a great form of happiness. It's fun to be able to hear sounds. Hearing is an important part of our existence. We live by means of hearing. It's our lifeblood. Without it, a man is missing so much fun, so much of his life, that it's almost as if he was dead. It's a terrible tragedy to not be able to hear. If you learned a little bit, you know that when you damage another person, you have to pay him for the value you decreased. Ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye, means if, that if someone Khalila disables a fellow Jew's eye, so he is liable to pay the monetary value of that man's eyes. Bavakama. But it says there that chirusho noisen lo demei kulo. If you make a man deaf, you have to pay the value of that person's entire life. And that's because the deaf man is like he stopped existing. That means that your ear is very, very valuable, only that hearing is such a subtle gift that we forget about it. Some people are only happy when they buy a pair of earphones and they can walk someplace and listen to a walkie-talkie, a little radio or tape machine with headphones. Ooh-wah, that's fun. If they can listen to a person talk with an artificial set of ears, then it's fun times that they enjoy. But to be happy with their original earphones, that they never thought about. Even the location of your ears is something to marvel at, something to appreciate. People are lacking in appreciation of the free earphones that are attached in the most convenient place. Your earphones could have been attached to your legs. Why not? And if your neighbor wanted to talk to you, he'd have to bend down and speak to your souls. Imagine that. It would be a big tircha. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu conveniently situated your ears right near your fellow man's mouth. Isn't that an interesting point? That the ears are on the same level, more or less, as the mouth of your fellow man? I'm sure, that, I'm sure there are more benefits to this position of the ears. I'm just telling you what my little head thinks. But the more time a person spends thinking about it and thanking Hashem, the more he'll start understanding the great gift of these two little miracles on the sides of our head. Did you ever see a man who is missing one ear? I did. 
I know a man in Manhattan, a very successful man who's missing one ear. Whenever he's in a picture, he makes sure it's with his profile to make sure you don't see the other side of him. Now, if he could get back that ear, how happy he would be. How grateful he would be to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's a very wealthy man. And he would give every, he would give away a lot of his money to get his ear back. And here we are. Most of us are walking around with two working ears. Did you ever stop to think about that? Take hold of your ear now and think about that. Hold on to your ear and say, Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't do it when your wife is around, because who knows what she might think, but make sure to do it once in a while. Ah, ah, my ears, what a chesed it is to have two ears. Now, the chesed is even greater than you imagine, because the ear isn't just an earphone, a piece of plastic with some wires. The ear is a compendium of miracles of staggering complexity. What the process of hearing involves is even today not understood. Ah, the ear is such a complicated piece of machinery. The ear is the receiver for sound waves. As the sound waves come towards the eardrum, it also hits the outside part of the ear. The ear is made like a funnel. It gathers together the sound waves and funnels them into the hole where the eardrum is. A physician once told me that most physicians never even saw an eardrum. They go through the motions of looking into your ears, he said, but most physicians never saw an eardrum. The drum is less than a tenth of a millimeter thick, but it's composed of three separate layers. And it's especially constructed so that it should, be pro- so that it should produce no after vibrations that would blur the sound. An ingenious system of bone levers connected to the eardrums magnify the sound waves that beat against your eardrum. Three tiny bones that are connected to each other, the malleus, the incas, and the stops, miraculously magnify the movement of the waves so that when it finally pushes against the liquid in the inner ear, it creates a wave of motion that excites the 30,000 or so nerve endings that project into the liquid. And according to the force of movement, so is the volume of the sound. And then the mystery begins. Because you don't hear in the ears, you hear in the brain. The message has to be transported to the brain. And the truth is that it's not only hearing. You need your ears for walking too. You learn how to walk when you're you're a child. And once you learn, it seems so easy. But you should know that you're you're a walking trapeze artist when you walk. It takes a lot of work to balance yourself. And how do you do it so easily? It's because you have in your ears, in each ear, a bed of nerves. There are nerves sticking up out of the bed and that little chamber in your ear. On top of that chamber of nerves is a stone, a loose stone. And when you move your head a little bit, the stone moves and it tickles those nerves. And the nerves warn you, straighten up. Both ears have that. There's an ear stone in each ear. There's a little chamber in your ear and on the floor of the chamber, there are nerves sticking up out of the floor and there's a stone lying on the nerves and the stone is loose. And as you're moving like this, they tickle the wrong nerve up, straighten up and you do it automatically. Nisei nisim, nisei nisim. Ears are so much fun. Now. 
Go and tell all of this to the unthinking people outside. They might laugh at you. They'll ask you what Rabbi Miller spoke about. And when you tell them that we spoke about ears tonight, they won't understand. But what that means is that they're not living according to the will of Hashem. It says, Kol atzmotai tomarna. All my parts should praise you. Each part speaks up separately and says, Hashem mi kamocha. Hashem, who is like you? Tehillim. That's how you have to live your life. You have to spend time in this very important function of feeling gratitude to Hashem for each detail. Now, even if we came merely for this, it's worthwhile because you have to give a cheshpan to yourself. When is the last time that you thought about thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the ability to hear? You know that some people even never thought about it once. Very many people never even thought once about the great gift of two ears. So at least that we learned here tonight. That you must engender a feeling of gratitude for the ability to hear. And even if years may pass by before you actually appreciate it, it's worth all the effort you put into it. Most people don't realize how important to, how important gratitude is. And that's a big problem. Because in this world, you don't get anything for free. Every gift requires a certain payment. And the price that we pay, the minimum price, is a feeling of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, it's incumbent upon each and every one of us to think, what is the proper way to express this gratitude to Hashem? Of course, you might want to just putter yourself. I'll say Baruch Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for my ears. And finished. The truth is that even that is a good beginning. But when we study the words of Rabbeinu Yonah, you see that much more is required. A person is obligated to serve Hashem with all of the limbs and creations in his body because they were created for that purpose. Everything that Hashem made is for his sake. Mishle. It means that nothing in this world is without a purpose in Avodah Hashem. And if we were given ears, we must utilize them for serving Hashem. Now, I know that all of this is like water on a duck's back. I understand that the listeners think that it's just exaggerated propaganda. But I'll say it again and again, because it's not exaggerated at all. It's actually a foundation of our avoidance, Hashem. Once you realize how much you're enjoying what Hashem is giving you, you're expected to demonstrate your indebtedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by utilizing the gift for His service. That's what Rabbeinu Yonah says is expected of us. To feel that in return for the gift of ears, you want to apply them to the service of Hashem. If the ears are such a great pleasure... Of course, not everybody's convinced of that yet. It still requires a great deal of talk and a great deal of practice until finally we arrive at the conclusion that it's fun to have ears. But once we start understanding the great gift of hearing, right away we should ask ourselves, how can I serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with my ears to demonstrate our gratitude for this gift? After all, it states, Kol pa'al Hashem l'ma'anehu. Hashem made everything for His sake. And therefore... I better, I better start thinking, what are the ears for? Now, of course, it sounds like an exaggerated demand on us. How are we going to serve Hashem with our ears? They're just there hanging on the side of my head. What am I going to do already? 
But there's no question that this is what the verse is demanding. In return for all of the great gifts, and ears are especially essential for our self-preservation, we should endeavor to use them to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It means we have to take our two ears and put them to use the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to. Did you ever think about that? You can't do whatever you want with your ears. You have to be aware of what you're doing with your ears. When we sit down somewhere, when we walk in the street, wherever it is that we are, we should be aware that we're, we're wearing our earphones now and we should be applying them for the purpose of Avoidas Hashem. It's a very big subject. The subject is of ears. And so we are going to listen now to what an expert said on this subject. I want to quote you the words of David Amelech. Zevach umincha lo chafatzta. Hashem, you don't desire our sacrifices and our offerings. Oznaim karitali. You made for me ears. Tehillim. David HaMelech became king when Shaul HaMelech was deposed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu for putting korbanas before listening. And David therefore learned very well the lesson that there's something so much greater than korbanas. So much greater than when we compare the two it's as if the offering is nothing. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does want sacrifices, but it means that David understood the lesson of the placing of the blood on the Tnuch Oizen. As great as the Zevach or Mincha is, the service of the ears, listening and obeying, is so great that it dwarfs the importance of an offering and it makes it like Lo Chafatza, as if he doesn't desire it. And what is it that you desire more than my korbanas, said David? Oznaim karitali, you dug out ears into my head. Now we should pay good attention to those words of David, because he didn't say, the ears that you gave me, or the ears that you placed on my head. He said, the ears that you dug out in my head. That's really what you desire. It's a chiddish to most people that the ears aren't just hanging on the side of your head, that actually they are tunnels that lead into your brain and they're bringing the words and ideas to the most, to the most sensitive of all places in your body, to your mind. And so, if we want to demonstrate gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for our ears, the first thing we should do is to make up our minds that from now on, we are going to serve him with these gatherers of information by gathering only the information that he wants us to hear. Imagine that there are two funnels in the sides of your head into which you can pour important essential elements that will mold your personality. You wouldn't just pour anything in. The purpose of the ears is that they should gather all the, all the necessary information which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending to you. And by means of using the ears for that purpose, we are fulfilling their function in life. Behold, listening is better than an offering. To pay attention is greater than the fat offerings of oxen. Now, let's get this in the right perspective because we're not talking here merely about listening to information. We're talking now about serving a Kaddish Baruch Hu with your ears. So let's say you're a yeshiva man and you're going into the base medrash to hear the Rosh Yeshiva or the Mashgiach deliver a shmooz. Now, of course, you're going to listen. Of course, you're going to pay attention and be interested and you're going to try to fulfill what you hear. But we're not talking about that. We're adding something new here. 
we're adding a new element now. That as you come in, you're thinking, I'm now taking my two ears, this great gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestowed upon me, and I'm going to utilize those ears to serve Hashem in order to show my gratitude. I'm going to lean in with my ears to gather in the information that Hashem wants me to hear. In the Tanakh, when we want to describe how someone should listen, we find the expression, Hatayas Ozen. Inclining your ear. Now actually, you can hear without inclining your ear. You can lean back in the chair and relax and listen too. But when somebody leans forward, what he's doing is making a demonstration. I'm now bringing my ears to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and I'm listening. I'm applying these gifts that you gave to me for your service. Isn't that a beautiful thing to do? If you want to thank Hashem, for your ears. So next time when you come to a place where somebody is teaching or preaching some divrei toida, divrei toicha, or divrei yira. So instead of leaning back like somebody who is taking a ride in the car and enjoying the scenery and his mind is asleep. No, that's not called listening. Instead, you demonstrate your gratitude by leaning forward. You feel you're bringing your ears closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's a thing you should practice. Some people even cup their ears, not because it's necessary, but because they want to emphasize the importance of listening. I'm dedicating my ears to the service of listening to you, Hashem. Of course, while the ears are still attached to our heads, we are permitted to use them for other things too. So when you're crossing the street, in addition to looking both ways, by the way, even on the one-way street, you should look both ways because boys with bicycles are a menace today. But you should use your ears to listen for cars as well. Why not? There are a lot of kosher things you can use your ears for. But at the same time, the most important purpose of our ears is to act as funnels. Above all, a Jew must make up his mind that his ears are for the purpose of hearing what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him in the Torah. The function by which we demonstrate most of our awareness of the purpose of our ears is by using them to funnel Torah information, Torah ideals and attitudes into our heads. Now you'll find many observant Jews who are deaf to the messages of the Torah because they don't really listen. Even Jews who keep everything must know that actually they're not keeping a great part of the Torah because they're not listening to the Torah. Of course, they keep everything, but they're listening only to what their neighbors say. They're listening to the radio and to the words they hear on the street. You have to utilize your ears, chiefly, to hear Torah. And Torah means everything. It means Shulchan Aruch. It means Halacha. It means Dinim. It means Mishnayis and Gemara. These are elementary things. It goes without saying. But if you want to listen to the Torah, so you learn everything. Torah, Nevi'im, Kesuvim. Everything you have to learn. If you don't learn Nevi'im and Kesuvim, it's like taking the bran out of the wheat. Just white bread you'll eat. It's not nourishing. You need Mishlei. You need Eov. You need everything. You need it. And if you can't read it in Lushan Kurdish, I urge you to read it in English at least. Isn't that queer advice? No, it's not queer at all. If you have no time to learn Tanakh, so read it in English at least. Find out what it's all about. You never read Ezra in your life? You mean to say you're going to go your whole life without reading Ezra? 
How could you do such a, how could you do such a thing? A newspaper you'll read, but Ezra you won't read, even if you read it from newspaper. So you'll skip Ezra and Nehemiah for a from newspaper? At least once you should read Ezra and Nehemiah. Read it in English. Why not? I'll get, I'll get around to it someday, he says. When he'll be 199 years old, the old age home, he thinks he'll still be there. So that's when he'll get around to it. You have to study the words of Rashi. Let Rashi's words enter into your ears. Rashi is full of wisdom. I myself have a compendium, a collection of statements from Rashi that you can live by. Rashi's statements, you can live by them. Gems of wisdom in Rashi. Rashi was a remarkable commentator and he put in a few words here and there. Gems that you wouldn't see in the Gemara. Good advice. How to live successfully and happily too. And so, this never-ending amount of Torah information that you can be funneling into your head by means of the ears is an important part of the service of the ear. You have to listen to the words of the Chayvah Salavos and to the Shari Tshuva too. And what about the Mesilas Hishorim? As much as possible, you should be funneling the words of this forum into your minds by means of your ears. Say it with your mouth and listen to what you're saying. Even if you read Mesilus Yashadim only one time, you're already a different person altogether. Now, when we speak about the subject of listening, we must not limit ourselves to just filling our minds with Torah information, because there's another tremendous subject. It's part of the Torah, but it's a separate branch. And that's the great subject of Ozen Shumat Tochachat Chaim, an ear that listens to the instructions of life, Mishlei. It's not talking here about an ear that only hears words, but an ear that is obedient to the words it hears. A person who reacts to what goes into his ears. What am I supposed to learn from this, he thinks? How can I apply what I'm hearing to my own life? How can I get better? Because no matter what the people outside in the street say, no matter what's written in the books and magazines, and what the radio says, we have to live with the ideals of Torah. And Torah tells us that listening, obeying, that's the great offering. Now I know that in our day, according to the winds that blow now in our culture, the word obey is an, unpo- is, is an unpopular one. But truth is that the absence of that word is the cause of all of our misfortunes. That's why the youth are running wild today. Mankind must overcome the great propaganda that has been erected against the humbling of oneself before criticism. The principle of Shema, obedience, must once again be learned because oizen shumat tochachat chaim, the ear that is capable of hearing the instruction of life, that's one of the greatest functions of our ears in this world. David HaMelech, the one who taught us about our ears, said the following. When the wicked rise up against me, let my ears hear to heal him. Now it's usually understood, understood to mean, let me hear of their downfall. But Rabbi Sol Salanter explained it in a different way. When the Mereim, those who want to say bad about me and criticize me, when they stand up against me, let my ears hear their critique. Not like people think today, that if someone criticizes you, then he's already your enemy. No, that's your best friend. That's the one to listen to, because that's the person who's going to bring you to Olam Habo. 
Rabbeinu Yonah in Sharei Tshuva says that anybody who comes along and criticizes you, he's a malach from Hashem. You hear that? And here you thought that your neighbor criticizing you is your enemy. And Rabbeinu Yonah comes along and tells you that he's a malach from Hashem. What that means is that anybody who comes along in this world and says something to you of Musr, of rebuke, something that could be useful for you to hear, he's called a malach. He's your best friend. And so, if once, for a moment, the heavens opened up and there was a flash of lightning, a flash of clarity, let's say your wife said something to you and you saw a little spark of truth, so don't close your ears. Don't huff and puff and make excuses because she's your best friend. A wife is an excellent opportunity for hearing the truth about yourself. Oh yes, a wife who criticizes you is a glorious opportunity. Lucky is that man whose wife has a big mouth and tells him what she sees. Because in the koilel and at work and in the synagogue, nobody is going to tell you too much about your sore points. Usually they're too polite. Or it could be you put on a good show in public. Who's going to tell you the truth outside the home? Nobody. And after a while you begin to think, maybe I really am a good person after all. But your wife knows the truth. She knows you better than anyone else. So this important man comes home from shul and his wife deflates him. She sticks a pin in his balloon and it bursts. That's a tremendous achievement. It's a shlemus, a perfection of character to be put down to size once in a while. But if you don't open your ears to it, so what is it worth? The truth is, that criticism from anybody is a gift. Let's say someone happens to hurl a diamond at you and it hurts. It pokes you. You're not going to be angry at him. You'll grab it and pocket it. Seventy years ago, a homeless man, a bum, on the street, told me something. He criticized me about a detail of my behavior. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But to this day, I still remember his every word. And I'm a better man because of it. And so, if it happens that somebody will give you some criticism, you have to seize it like a diamond, because you won't get many such diamonds in your life. All you'll hear your whole life is perfumed spitballs, flattery, and shkarim. And you'll never open your ears to criticism and discover the truth. You'll walk in darkness all your life. Now, before we end, we must not forget another function of the ear. To know when not to listen, to know when to close the ear. Now pay attention. The Gemara and Kesuvus asks an interesting question. Why is it that the alia, the bottom part of the ear, the lobe, is soft? Further up on the ear, there's cartilage. But here on the bottom, there is nothing but soft tissue. Why is it that the bottom is soft? That's the Gemara's question. A good kasha. So the Gemara answers like this. If you're in a place where they're saying things that they shouldn't hear, so you should turn up the alia and press it into your ear. You plug it up into your ear so you shouldn't hear it. I once did that. I was in a meeting of Rabonim, and one of the people got up and he said something. So I closed up my ears. What's that, he said. I said, it's a Gemara. Now, if it wasn't for this Gemara, we would have other ideas about the lobe of the ear. Because we know that when the outer ear gathers the sound waves to funnel it into the eardrum, so the ear trembles a little bit from the sound waves, it shakes, and the shaking would interfere with the sound. 
And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put a lobe down here on the bottom of your ear. The lobe doesn't shake because there's no bone in it at all. And it therefore absorbs the shaking. So we're able to hear better because the lobe absorbs the tremors that the ear would have experienced from the sound waves. It's there to help us to hear more clearly, more sharply. Otherwise, we'd hear everything with a shake. But along comes the Gemara and says, no, there's an even more important reason for that earlobe. It's there in order to help you close up your ears in case someone is saying something that is not worth hearing. And that's because even one foolish remark can overthrow a hundred edifices of Avodah Hashem. That's the language of the Mesilis Hashem. Litzonus achas doiche meye toichachos. One hundred rebukes can be pushed away with one wise crack. Now these talks, I think we should prize. These Thursday night talks, I'm not rebuking anyone here, but I know that idealists come to this place and I try to raise myself up to talk to you on that plane of idealism. We talk about important things here. So let's say you listen to a hundred of these tapes. It's a good idea, by the way. You and your wife should listen to 100 tapes. Now let's say you did that. Let's say you listened to a hundred of these tapes and didn't talk to anybody in between. So now you are already at some madrega of idealism. You're already a head taller than a lot of people. But now comes along a lates. A lates doesn't mean a wicked person. People with beards can be lates him too. So a lates comes along and says, one wisecrack. Let's say your friend comes along and he says, oh, you're trying to be from, huh? And now the whole edifice of idealism, the whole skyscraper that you built up, all hundred floors comes crashing down. It explodes into smoke. Nothing remains. That's the Mesilus who shot him. It's saying like this. 100 rebukes, 100 lectures, serious talks on noble themes. And at the end, one Litsanus can overcome those 100 edifices that you built in your mind. And therefore, it's of the utmost necessity to keep away from shallow and foolish people. Now, it doesn't mean only people who murder or people who are mechalale Shabbos. It means people who aren't interested in living lives of idealism. People who disdain the attitude of being mevake shlemus. As long as you're sitting here, you're okay. But once you walk out the door, you have to be very careful with your ears. Unless maybe you take along the tapes and they're glued to your ears until next Thursday night. Otherwise, it's dangerous to be out there. Once we understand that the ear must be dedicated to avoid the Sasham, we begin to understand how important this tunnel to the mind really is. It's because of the importance of the ear. Because of its function as a tunnel to the mind. That's why the first thing the Kohanim did when they became inaugurated to serve in the Beis Amigdash was to dedicate their ears to the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And actually, what the, Kohanim, what the Kohanim did in the Beis Amigdash was a symbol of how we are expected to live our lives. Because when Hashem told the Am Yisrael, Vitem li segula mikol ha'amim, you'll be for me a special treasure from all the nations. Shemos. What did he mean? What is our function as Hashem's treasured nation? So Hashem answers that in the next Pasuk, Vatem li mamlechet kohanim, you're going to be for me a nation of Kohanim. Here Hashem declares that he has chosen us to be nation of priests. What that means 
is a kingdom consisting of priests, a nation in which every individual, man, woman, and child is a Kohen, trying to live a life of holiness in the service of Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Am Yisrael, all of you are Mamleches Kohanim. You're all my Mamleches Kohanim. And I want you to act in the same manner as my Kohanim. I want you to emulate the principles that I teach them. That's why the clarion call of the Am Yisrael is Shema Yisrael. Listen. Means you have to listen diligently. Your ears must be dedicated to the service of Hashem. You have to open your ears and listen to how to fulfill HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. It's a career of listening. That's our job in this world. To listen and to learn. Have a wonderful Shabbos.